Everyone needs a pastor. A visit to the pastor's study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and help from those with proven experience in Christian service. We want you to be part of the program during the 30 minutes ahead. To visit the pastor's study today, text your question at 516-367-0391. Again, that's 516-367-0391. Now welcome to today's Visit to the Pastor's Study with Pastor Bill Shishko. And this is your host, Pastor Bill Shishko, here with you. If you'd like to text your questions in, you can do that anytime during the week. Text them to Pastor Bill at 516-367-0391. Well, in these weeks, we're thinking together about the basic disciplines of a healthy Christian life. Let, let me tell you a story uh, to give a backdrop for the discipline that we're going to be considering on today's program. Some years ago, I was on the the beautiful island of Cyprus for a couple of weeks of ministry to a group of pastors from Egypt. It was really a wonderful time to provide training, but it was also a time for them to learn more about Christianity in our nation, even as I learned so many fascinating things about Christianity in their predominantly Muslim country. At one point in our afternoon conversation over delicious Egyptian coffee, one of the pastors asked me, how often do Christians in your nation fast? Well, that was one of my rare times of being at a loss for words. Frankly, I hemmed and hawed as I answered that fasting practices vary among Christians and Christian churches in the United States. I should have been more honest and simply said that fasting wasn't a common discipline among North American Christians. We are far more familiar with feasting than we are with fasting. Well, the Egyptian pastor seemed both surprised at and uh, disappointed with my answer. And I'll never forget his comment that followed. In our country, he said, the challenges before our churches are so great that we have days of prayer and fasting twice per month. Well, I've reminded myself of that story many times, especially as I witness, even as you do, the increasing challenges to the Christian faith, to Christians, and to Christian churches in our own country. Today, I want to help you think through fasting, periodically abstaining from food and drink other than water, And I want to challenge you to practice periodic fasting as a basic discipline of a healthy Christian life. I'm calling today's program the Feast of Fasting. Now, you'll find out why I'm using that title as the program progresses. You read about fasting rather frequently in the Old Testament, the books of the Bible that were written before Jesus Christ came into the world. God's people fasted during times of public calamity and at times of severe affliction, whether public or private affliction. When danger was approaching, people fasted. One vivid example of that time is in the book of Esther, chapter 4. People fasted at times of bereavement. Moses fasted for 40 days before receiving the Ten Commandments and returning to the challenge of leading Israelites, who at that time were in a period of rebellion. Probably the richest account of fasting, prayer, and the way God answered prayer is given in the book of Daniel, chapter 9. 
As it always is, fasting was accompanied by prayer during this time of the exile of God's people in Babylon, but it was also a time of confession of sin and humbling oneself before God. Now, I urge you to read the ninth chapter of the prophet Daniel and see how spectacularly and quickly, I might add, God answered Daniel's prayer. However, the Old Testament has almost an entire chapter that warns against formalism in fasting and putting the emphasis on how hungry and low you feel if you're fasting is really occupied with yourself. Well, that chapter is Isaiah 58, where in the prophet Isaiah you will read, Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? A day for a person to humble himself? Well, in other words, what God is saying is that if all you're doing is trying to humble yourself then you're really not involved in a fast that truly pleases God. Here's one that does please God. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him? and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your hearing shall spealing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. And you shall cry, and he will say, Here I am, which is another way of saying I'm right nearby when you call upon me in that way. Now, it's interesting that there are, well, fewer examples of fasting in the New Testament, the books of the Bible that were written after Jesus Christ came into the world. Jesus, the one who was greater than Moses, also fasted 40 days before his battle with the temptations of the devil and, after that, his embarking on his public ministry. A couple of times, the Apostle Paul mentioned he was in fastings often, as the older Bible versions put it, whether those times of going without food were voluntary or involuntary, and there are some other places in the New Testament in which at least some translations couple prayer and fasting. But the clearest call to the discipline of fasting in the New Testament is given by Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew is the first gospel, the first book of the New Testament. And it's most interesting, and it's hardly coincidental, that Jesus' words about fasting in the very middle of this famous sermon not only connect fasting with prayer, but also are surrounded by descriptions of the beautiful kind of piety, true holiness, that are exactly like the piety that God commends in Isaiah 58. Things like giving to the poor, loving others, not seeking our own possessions first, but rather seeking, above all else, the kingdom of God. 
That's God's reign over your life. What Isaiah 58 is in bud form, the Sermon on the Mount is in full flower. Now, here are Jesus' words about fasting in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 16 through 18. And when you fast. Now, notice that Jesus does not say, if you fast. See, fasting is to be as much a part of the true Christian life as is prayer and giving to the needy. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, don't miss the fact that there is a reward connected with fasting. But for those who fast, like they do other religious works, with a a horizontal focus to be seen by others and to be regarded as very religious people, well, that recognition by others is their reward. Jesus says, don't fast like that. That's for religious hypocrites. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret and who sees in secret. In other words, what he says is, if you're a man, shave, get your morning shower, dress up, freshen up, put on a good smile, and then go about your business just as if you aren't fasting at all. God, your Father, sees what you're doing and why. Your purpose in fasting, when it's right fasting, is vertical and not horizontal. And, Jesus says, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, remember that there are rewards from fasting. In the Old Testament, people fasted and God did things in response. You and I need to believe from Jesus' own words that God still rewards that special devotion to God that we call fasting. But (laughs) what are those rewards? You're going to find out after this message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. It's not enough to listen to pastors on the radio or to watch them on television. Everyone needs a biblically faithful pastor and everyone needs a biblically faithful church. A Visit to the Pastor's Study is a ministry of the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches in the metropolitan New York area. We're no substitute for a faithful pastor in a local church, but we are a supplement. Visit our website, www.visitthepastorsstudy.org, and you can bring the ministry of this program right to your electronic device. Here you'll find archives of past programs, a weekly message from Pastor Bill's Pastor's Post, helps for pastors, helps for congregation members, material for officer training, and much more. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. And we also invite you to contact the host of this program, Pastor Bill Shishko. You can email him at visitpastorbill at gmail.com. He'd love to hear from you so that he can bring his pastoral ministry to you personally. That's visitpastorbill.com. Bill at gmail.com. Remember, everyone needs a pastor. And now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. And this is Pastor Bill Shishko here with you. We are continuing this week, and we'll be doing this in, in weeks ahead, the basic disciplines of a healthy Christian life. Last week, we just began to look at Bible reading. We're going to do more with that in weeks ahead. But today, largely in response to a question from one of our listeners, we're dealing with what I'm calling the feast 
of, of fasting. Now, if you have any questions or suggestions on the topic, the Feast of Fasting, or for that matter, anything else that would be appropriate to a visit to the pastor's study, you can text those questions to Pastor Bill at 516-367-0391, 516-367-0391 for your text questions. And we use these to put together future programs of a visit to the pastor's study. In other words, uh, these questions are just like what a pastor's study is. People come and ask their questions and get them answered from the Word of God, and that's what we're doing for you. So, the Feast of Fasting, Jesus did not say if you fast, but when you fast. And when you fast with a genuine concern for devotion to God, in other words, you have a vertical focus, Jesus says your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So what are the rewards that come in connection with fasting, that is, periodic abstaining from otherwise lawful things? Let me put it like that for right now, especially from food and drink except water for the purpose of of special devotion to God. What are those rewards about which Jesus speaks? Well, what about medical rewards? There's lots of discussion and debate about this. If you Google fasting, medical benefits of, you can read and decide for yourself in that kind of intramural debate about the medical benefits of fasting. But at least there's this benefit. Fasting gives your stomach and your mind, that isn't distracted by digestion, it gives your stomach and your mind a much-needed rest, if you will, a Sabbath rest. And that's something God has ordained for our good as people. That rest for your stomach and for your mind, that's a good thing. Now, if you have a medical condition, something like diabetes, be sure to check with your doctor before fasting, especially if you fast for longer than a day. But you can study for yourself. There are, I believe, medical benefits from fasting. What about the reward of self-discipline, something that's always good? And it's absolutely the case that when you fast periodically, you are helping to do what the Apostle Paul says in another context, is to bring your body into subjection. Now, all the older writers emphasize this. One of them, Abraham Kuyper, and puts it this way in his excellent article on giving yourself to fasting and prayer, Abraham Kuyper writes, and that's K-U-Y-P-E-R, your chief interest must be eternal life. This eternal life can only be enjoyed in an ever more intimate knowledge of God. This more intimate knowledge of God you find more particularly in your hidden life of prayer. And, writes Kuyper, this hidden life of prayer has need that in the face of the oppressive supremacy of the body and of your environment. And he wrote that over 150 years ago the power of the soul be strengthened by fasting rightly understood. So there is definitely that self-discipline reward of periodic fasting. What about answers to prayer? Well, most certainly there are. John Piper, now we're talking about Piper, P-I-P-E-R, eloquently developed uh, this aspect of the reward of fasting in in his outstanding book that I'll mention a little later, A Hunger for God. Uh, Piper writes, The course of history was changed by the fasting of God's people. The stories of God's mighty grace through fasting are many, 
We could tell the story of Moses on Mount Sinai fasting 40 days as he received the law of God that would not only guide Israel for more than 3,000 years, but would become the foundation of Western culture as we know it. Or, writes Piper, we could tell the story of how the Jews fasted for Esther as she risked her life before King Ahasuerus and turned the plot against Israel back on Haman's head. Or, we could tell the story of Nehemiah's fasting for the sake of his people in the city of God in ruins so that King Artaxerxes granted him all the help he needed to return and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So wrote John Piper in his book, A Hunger for God. So answers to prayer, there, there are huge, there are huge reward that comes in connection with fasting. What about equipping for spiritual service? Well, yes, perhaps following the pattern of Jesus, who fasted before both his temptation by Satan and his embarking on public service, the Christian church fasted and prayed before sending out Paul and Barnabas on what would become their first of three missionary journeys, and they fasted and prayed also before church officers were commissioned for service. And you can read these very clear examples in the book of Acts in the New Testament, chapters 13 and 14. Now, we're getting closer to why I'm calling this the Feast of Fasting. There is also the reward of enjoying your times with God more by keeping yourself free of distractions. And again, that is absolutely a reward of fasting. And this is a tremendous reward and a culture that is drowning in distractions And it indicates, too, that fasting should be from more than food and drink, other than water, for a time. You see, in times of fasting, we avoid the many things that so easily detract from what should be our primary devotion to God. Now, again, I'm quoting not Piper, but Kuiper, K-U-I-P-E-R. Fasting writes, Kuiper, which shall sanctify prayer and make it more fervent, consists by no means, therefore, alone in depriving the body of food or drink, but equally by generous giving to withdraw oneself from the dominion of one's money in simplicity and sobriety in freeing oneself from the supremacy of self-pleasing, and certainly also writes Kuiper in seclusion and in releasing oneself from the domination of one's environment. And now from Piper, not Kuiper, the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, writes John Piper, but apple pie. (laughs) It's not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. It's not the X-rated video, but the primetime dribble of triviality we drink in every night. Wow, what a statement. What a statement that impresses upon us why we need fasting, not only from food and drink other than water, but also from these other lawful things that do distract us from what is most important. And that brings us to the grand reason for fasting. And it really, really is a grand reward. We fast so that we might feast on God. You see, in times of fasting, you feel your weakness in very definite ways. 
And that becomes an aid to help you truly look to God as your strength and as your help and as your provider. And that also fuels your prayers. Your felt sense of weakness when you fast takes you above, as it were, a life clouded by so many distracting things and brings you to the clear sky 35,000 feet above the earth in which your prayers and communion with God are so much clearer. And that's exactly the case because the Bible says that in prayer rightly done, we are before the throne of grace. Now, if I might say it simply and quite bluntly, fasting with a vertical focus helps you desire your cravings, satisfy your cravings with something better than food. See, I love the way John Piper puts it. Food, he says, is good, but God is better. God rewards our prayer and fasting because in our emptiness, we turn away from ourselves and we look to Christ as the bread of heaven and as the water of life, just what he calls himself. That magnifies the glory of God in the perfect provision of his Son for everything connected with your entire everlasting life that has its beginning in this life. And there is absolutely no greater reward than that. Fasting better enables you to feast on God as a foretaste of that eternal feast for all those who satisfy their deepest cravings through faith in Jesus Christ. Now that brings us today to the counsel from the pastor's study. Well, as a pastor usually has three points in his sermon, I have three points in my counsel for you today. Number one, purchase or download, you can download it for free, John Piper's outstanding book, A Hunger for God. You can get it at www.desiringgod, that's all one word, .org slash books, www.desiringgod.org slash books, and look for A Hunger for God. I don't know of a richer presentation on what the Bible says about fasting. It itself is a feast of a book about fasting, A Hunger for God by John Piper. Get that, begin working through it. Now, number two, after you've gotten squared away in your mind and in your heart about what fasting's all about, remember that all of our religious devotion must be done with understanding as well as with faith. Then set apart a day or days for fasting that keeps you not only from food and drink except water, but also as much as possible from the distractions of television, your handheld devices, your computers, and even, and I say this as one who does radio programs, even from the distraction of your radio. See, fasting is to free you for undistracted devotion to God in listening to him by his word 
and in speaking to him by prayer. And remember that if you have certain medical conditions, speak with your doctor before you establish your own personal discipline of fasting. And then number three, consider the practice of intermittent fasting. Now, there are definite medical benefits of this, and it's probably the best way to introduce yourself to the discipline of fasting. An intermittent fast is abstaining from food and drink except water from after your evening meal until your lunch the next day, and that gives you a way to feast on God as you end your day. The time of devotion to God in the evening will bring you great benefits as you sleep, and you begin the next day gathering manna from heaven as you read God's word and put your concerns of the day as well as all other concerns before the Lord. Try that. Try that. And then you'll know why I've called this program The Feast of Fasting. And you can do intermittent fasting several times a week. Bottom line, as one of the basic disciplines of your Christian life, you should be able to say, as I ought to, when I fast. Thanks so much for listening today. It's a privilege to be a pastor to you through the medium of radio. Now, I invite you to check out the archives of past visit to the pastor's study programs. Now, you can find those at sermonaudio.com. Just search for A Visit to the Pastor's Study at that excellent resource. Or go to our own website, visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's all one word, visitthepastorsstudy.org. I appreciate your feedback and your questions. You can email me at visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Once again, my email address, visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Or I even welcome you to call my study, 516-593-1507. That'll get you to my electronic secretary, 516-593-1507. Remember, Sunday's the Lord's Day. Be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that is faithful to the Word of God. And remember, everyone needs a pastor. You've been listening to this week's A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York Incorporated in the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches of Metropolitan New York and Connecticut. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week for another Visit to the Pastor's Study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.